Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 62 of season two, a Christopher Morell miracle. And in this segment... Crowley interviews Roy Wood Jr., stand-up comic and correspondent for The Daily Show, to discuss his involvement in Marquee Network's upcoming Buck O'Neill documentary. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you've seen him on The Daily Show, you've seen his stand-up work. Welcome, Roy Wood. How you doing, Roy? How you doing? How the hell you doing? No well, complaints. The- <laughs> the Cubs are in contention, so, you know, that's got to be fun. How uh, Now, now... I'm just curious, Roy, how did you become a Cubs fan? For me, it came down to growing up as a child, you root for what you can watch on TV. This is Birmingham, Alabama in the 80s for context. So it, it, the Cubs and Braves were the two teams. Those are the two, nationally, those are the two teams that came on because they were both funded by, you know, Superstations, WGN and TBS, respectively. The Braves pretty much only played night games. So I just couldn't never watch them because we only had one TV in the house with cable. And it's crazy to think about that now, considering that every single screen that you own can bring you every single thing that exists. But in 1987, only one TV in the house was the portal to sports and porn and Bruce Willis movies. Like that was... That's what, you know, cable was. So the Cubs came on during the day. So I came home from school. You watch what you can have access to. So you can root for all these other teams. I, I started out, oh, I'm a Mets fan. I was born in New York. Well, you're only going to watch them when they play the Cubs, you bastard. So you may as well fall in love with Andre Dawson and his Jerry Curl <laughs> and keep it moving. And so it, it was a little bit of that. Also a little bit of an X factor. Uh, my father growing up, uh, my father... He played, he lived in Chicago for a very long time, like from age four until his career took him away uh, from the city. Uh, he did a radio show with Ernie Banks. So I think that was also part of it as well, is that, you know, my dad was also biased. Yeah. And, and you know, when you talk about some of those guys, I mean, you're talking about legendary Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks and Andre Dawson, just, just fun players. You know, I grew up in the Dawson era and my dad grew up with Ernie Banks as well. And and it was just always, you know, that connection. And once you're in, it's you're in for life. You know what I mean? Correct. Correct. And so, you know, and the people also forget in the 80s, the Cubs were the better franchise than the Braves in the 80s. The Cubs had the playoffs twice. They were close a couple other years. Dawson was the MVP in 87 when they were trash, but they were always a competitive squad. So, you know, that part of it was a big deal. So by the time the Braves came around the corner in 91, 92, it was too late, bro. I had the, I had the Ryan Sandberg poster on the wall. So, Oh yeah. You know, and, and, we were and, done. and unfortunately the Braves got Greg Maddox and then that, that, that both franchises kind of, kind of turned on that one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. He slid away and when it had a great fling. 
we basically got great Maddox at the beginning. And then he just went and had a fling and got a ring and got all the glory, then came back on the back end. Like, all right, you're the one I really love. Do you? <laughs> you gave them all your good years. <laughs> Roy, I got to tell you, I- I'm excited. I'm sitting there today and the announcement comes down. Uh, the Cubs are playing the next series They're after tonight against the White Sox. They're traveling to Kansas City. And for the people that you know watch and listen to the podcast, We've had um, Bob Kendrick on a bunch of times. We love Bob. And Bob is, the, um, along with Buck O'Neill, are the guys that really were laid the foundation for the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. So while the Cubs are in Kansas City on Saturday after the game, um, there's going to be a Cubs 360 from the Negro League Baseball Museum featuring Cole Wright, Bob Kendrick, Doug Glanville, and J.A. Adande. So they're going to talk about the Negro League Museum and then this is this is where I'm excited. 7 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, Buck O'Neill. It's all jazz. Why don't you tell our listeners what's going on with that documentary? So you know, right now we've been able to do something that basically chronicles, you know, Buck O'Neill's journey through the Negro Leagues and what that meant not only for not only for players in that time, but for players after him. And I think the thing that's, you know, that's really interesting, you know, and, and, you know, and and it's also dope that, that this conversation is starting in Kansas city because, you know, Buck O'Neill was there, you know, he played for the Kansas city Monarchs and, you know, Kansas city, just as a, as a baseball city, number one sidebar, Kauffman stadium, best fan experience. If you're going Cubs fans go at least two hours early uh and try the limeade add vodka thank me later that's not why we're here right now uh but you know i I think it's important that these stories get told and so you know the people over the people over at marquee sports you know they reached out and they asked me if i wanted to be a part of this and i'm like hail to the yes you know and and for the people who don't know a lot about me my heart is deep with baseball and i grew up playing baseball in high school and you know, I've done what I can to donate um, equipment and money and technology uh, to my old high school team to make sure that we still have some degree of minority involvement in baseball. Because when we talk about the Negro Leagues and we talk about the past of what baseball was, you know, and we can call it a dark past, you know, because it wasn't necessarily a good thing. I think what's been very important in these conversations about the Negro Leagues is to also, while we talk about the past, take a look towards the future and what we're doing to make sure that the sport stays as accessible to people of all economic backgrounds, not just race, but we're also, you know, we're talking about wealth here as well. Um, You know, they just announced MLB that the, um, that the, well, you can't call it the field of dreams game because the field of dreams run, they own the name field of dreams, but the throwback game and the throwback field. I don't know what it's called for next year. It's going to be in Birmingham at Rickwood field. It's the oldest standing uh, professional facility in the country. I played my high school games there and, you know, they've retro that entire field to make it look like something of the era when, when baseball was segregated. And that's always been the aesthetic of the field. I don't want people to think they did that deliberately <laughs> for, for the throwback game. Like, let's make it look like, no, that's so they're going to be honoring the Birmingham black Barons. They're going to be honoring Hank Aaron at that game um, to my understanding. And, you know, even in a conversation like that, 
you know, it's so dope that that's happening in the hometown, but, you know, so that we can know what we're fighting to keep alive and what we're fighting to keep relevant, you know, in communities of color and poor communities, it's important that a story like Buck O'Neill's be told. So you understand what this brother had to overcome in order to actually even get a look, to even get a chance, a chance to get a chance, you know, that, that part of it, you know, is very, very important because, you know, when we talk about the Negro Leagues, we talk about Jackie Robinson and Jackie Robinson was first and Jackie Robinson was very important and that was pivotal. It really was. And I think that what gets lost in that sauce is all of these other amazing stories. And it's not just that these players are relevant and the stories should be told because they're black. They were good. They were good. And there just wasn't cameras there to capture all of it. So, you know, I think that part of it to me is the thing that, you know, really makes me sad, you know, and, and, you know, to, to, uh, to have an opportunity to be a part of anything that captures the history of the game that I love, it was, it was a no brainer. Right. And, and, you know, when we talk about Buck O'Neill, there is things that, you know, as Cub fans, you know, I feel like Kansas City and you talked about Kauffman Stadium, they have embraced Buck as, as one of their own. But when he when we talk about professional, Buck O'Neill was the first African-American coach and he was a coach for the Cubs. He was so integral in Cubs history. Now, as you're doing this narration for the documentary, were there certain things that you didn't know about Buck O'Neill that you learned and 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 kind of brought your fandom to a different level? The one thing that I didn't know about Buck O'Neill before the documentary um, was the role that he played in Ernie Banks, you know, becoming a Cub. And this idea of, you know, Buck looking at people in the Negro leagues and looking at people in the minors and going, Hey man, y'all should consider this guy. Um, you know, and, and not even like on some, trust me, he's gracious. Yeah. Think about him. And then that guy turns into Mr. Cub and that doesn't happen without Buck O'Neill. So, you know, when you look at so many players that may not have come up through the Negro league system and cross the, cross the color line, in their career, their opportunities were afforded to them by people that did. And, you know, I think that part of, you know, Buck's journey is very, very interesting. You know, he's, he's kind of one of those guys. I'm trying to think like, I'm trying like, like, I don't know, Bob Brindley, maybe like, like these guys who were good as players, they were solid as players, but then they have this whole second life that just, like as a manager and a scout and doing all these other things that are just as damn interesting as some of the things they did on the field. Right. And what I tell a lot of our listeners is that it was, it was Buck, like you said, who took Ernie under his wing, kind of really taught him how to be a major leaguer. It was Buck who scouted everybody from Lou Brock uh, to Joe Carter to Lee Smith. And I know Lee Smith took part in the documentary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Billy Williams, was enduring some racist taunts in, you know, in the minor leagues and he quit baseball. He said, I'm done. He goes home. Who do they send to, to get him back? Buck mm-hmm. O'Neill. And, and, and so it's almost like without Buck O'Neill, the history of the Cubs, you know, the Cubs history, you know, post 1945 is not good, but 
it was made way better by Buck O'Neill. And if they would have listened to Buck a little bit more, it maybe if they even let him coach as a manager, how different things may have been for the Cubs history. Maybe we don't have to wait till 2016 <laughs> to get a championship. Well, you want to hope that, but let's be fair. The, the, the Cubs also ran into the Ernie Banks in the gang ran into the big red machine and then, <laughs> and then Clemente <laughs> and, and the pirates, the, the national league was pretty stacked oh, yeah. <laughs> in the seventies and early eighties. Um, you know, the Ozzy's cards and, you know, all of that, but it, it, it's, it's hands down, you know, it's just an honor to be able to tell a part of that story. And, I think it's only fair that I narrated it because I'm the person who was probably of everybody involved, the worst at baseball. <laughs> you know, I played through high school. I tried out in college. So there's that, but you don't get a, you don't get a letter on your jacket for trying out and then getting cut after an hour and then ending up at Shoney's as a server <laughs> <laughs> two hours later. I tried out for baseball and literally two hours later, I was hired at Shoney's. There you go. Well, you know, in the documentary, our friend Bob Kendricks, they're president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, Joe Poznanski, who is the author of The Soul of Baseball, which I encourage everybody to read that's interested in Buck O'Neill. And then Ken Burns is in it. And, and Ken Burns, if people remember that documentary, he had a whole thing on baseball and Buck O'Neill really stole, stole the show. Like that's the mm -hmm. one that when people go back to that documentary, you're like, oh my God, who is this guy? And and, and when you talk about Buck's second life and the career after he almost had like you know three or four different lives but towards the end of his life the push to build that museum the, the negro league baseball museum that doesn't get done without buck and and buck pushing to make sure that negro league players were inducted into the baseball hall of fame in cooperstown and you know i'm just sad that he he missed out on the vote when when he had the opportunity to get back in when he was still alive and then yeah. even then he misses out on the vote and then they ask him to induct everybody, and he does so graciously. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, and that facility in Kansas City, you know, for any baseball fan, that is, that's that's a, you know, I, yeah, I can say a pilgrimage because baseball is a religion. Baseball is religion at, at that level. If it's a religion for you, the Negro League Museum, to me, is as important as Cooperstown. And I actually appreciate the fact that the museum exists in one of the pivotal cities for the teams and not in Cooperstown because they very easily could have just said, oh, let's put it in Cooperstown, let's build another wing on the side of this. And, and, which, and it would have been fine and it would have been great. It would all have been, all the same great stuff would have been donated for people to look at. Kansas City's more centrally located than Cooperstown and the, the museum is in the Paseo District, which is a historically black part of Kansas City and there's pure black culture up and down that street not just in the museum but in the shops and everything that's up and around that area so you definitely get a feeling for what it was like to be around in that space in that time when you walk through those walls the thing that's really the thing that the museum is able to do that most civil rights exhibits are not able to do just because they can't is that the museum gives you a sense of optimism about what could be, but you do not leave with this 
overwhelming feeling of sympathy and sadness for what was because none of the players who played in that era ever took a moment to feel sorry for themselves. Because when you look at that era of civil rights, that was stress. Those were wild times. And yes, there was a lot of racism they dealt with on the roads, but most of them were very happy to be playing the game they loved. And I think, you know, one thing that's really cool when we talked to Bob is he talked about how now MLB The Show, which is how you kind of get to young kids, is through video games. MLB The Show, you can play as Negro players. You can play as Satchel Paige or Josh Gibson or any of the great Negro League players. And so what an opportunity to kind of, you know, to bring some of the past, some of the history alive in the museum through the video games. I think it kind of is something that's really cool. Yeah, and and it's not hitting kids over the head. It's just letting them know, you know, what's what has been happening. You know, I play MLB the show, and I've played the whole Negro League storyline that they have, and it's a lot of rich history intertwined within the gameplay. And I think that's the thing that's like really dope about it. Now, do you see yourself, Roy, uh, coming to Wrigley anytime soon? I've seen you throw first pitches out there. You got an arm. So maybe, maybe you know, You're Shoney's. Right. Sho- <laughs> <laughs> I, I one hopped one and Cole Wright from Marquee won't let me live it down. So I got to come back and redeem myself. I'm hoping uh, first, first week of September, you know, I'm just not sure when, you know, with the writer's strike and everything that's going on, and writers and actor strike. Um, it's hard to kind of find pockets because I'm touring now, you know, I'm back on the road as a standup. So I have to find my places, you know? Right. Uh, they are doing a, and, and, and being somebody that grew up in the eighties, like in the Cubs, they're doing the first week of September seventh, uh, eighth, ninth. They are recognizing Mark Grace and Shawan Dunstan uh, for the Cubs hall of fame. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, who knows? It might be cool to kind of catch that out. And I, I, I showed you this picture before we jumped on. This is you <laughs> interviewing me outside of Wrigley. You got the Cubs bathrobe on and, and and you did this hilarious segment with Cub fans outside of Wrigley Field. That was in 2017. Yeah, I think Hassan Minhaj was with me on that one. I think we were both out there. Yeah, we were bathing in the afterglow of the 2016 championship and you were just so nice to everybody. Hilarious, taking pictures and it was a lot of fun and we look forward to having you back out yeah. there. Well, I'll do my best to get back. Um, you know, I, I was trying to come at the end of August for the Brewers series, but I think it's better that I come if it's Giants or D-backs or some game that it's not a rivalry game, per se, just so I can save my voice because I'm still on tour. <laughs> and so if... <laughs> If, if people wanted to catch you on tour, where would they go to, to find out when you're playing? Oh, man, RoyWoodJr.com is my website, RoyWoodJr.com. We're going everywhere from Miami to Seattle. Uh, so, you know, just check me out there. And um, I'm covering all the time zones. I'm covering all the divisions if you want to get into baseball about it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time out there on the road throwing jokes. And I uh, hope to see everybody out there. Yep, and you can you're a great follow on Twitter at Roy Wood Jr. And again, if for people that are interested, Buck O'Neill, it's all jazz Sunday, 7 p.m. Central Time. This is a piece of memorabilia that I is near and dear to me that I have. It's going to be going to the framer very soon, but it's a picture of Buck O'Neill in that great 1960s Cubs uniform. I'm so looking forward to it. And Roy, I'm so glad you got to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Right, have a good one.